All right, guys. Emergency podcast here on Monday night, the 15th of March. English bringing us in. Bloom's back over here. Kids are done vomiting if you listen to the uh, Sunday night podcast. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, The word is finally out of Ames. Uh, Steve Prome and Iowa State, according to the press release, have uh, parted ways. So that's a nice way of saying he's been let go. Thought this was coming, and uh, we didn't want to speculate at the time on different names and stuff like that. But uh, now, now we will do that. So let's um, let's dig right into it. And uh, Bloom, uh, first of all, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, not not a surprise. Um, still. By the way, we just opened Cody Road to leave one after tonight. Still always jarring. I mean, this doesn't happen very often. So It's history. Um, we chronicle Iowa State history in this is a historic it, day. And Steve Prohm, and it's hard to believe, but Steve Prohm had the longest tenure at Iowa State since Johnny Orr. I mean, six years was longer than Fred, longer than Greg, longer than Eustachie, Wayne, and Tim. So he's been here a long time, and ultimately – you know, we, we shared our thoughts that we didn't know if it was salvageable, and um, here we are. So, but not, I, you know, you don't want to be disingenuous here, but I mean, I don't think it's a celebratory day by any means. I mean, I thought your tweet was really good about, you know, Coach Prohm gave a lot, gave his all to Iowa State, and it didn't work out. Um, it's a new day that, that will dawn, and we'll get into some of the particulars, but uh, certainly not not just a celebration either. No, um, it, it, it never is. And, you know, I know a lot of fans out there, you just you guys don't get the personal side, and that's fine. Yeah, no, uh, of course. We don't want to make it about that. But we also, you know, it's it's not just Steve Prome. There's support staff. There's assistant coaches. There are people who are not making upwards of $2.5 million per year who Correct. are greatly impacted by this and their families and, and all that stuff. So with that um, – Let's let's just dive right in here. Uh, Bloom, give give me a short list for you. Um, I, if I had to name three guys who I would immediately put on mine, it's Otzelberger, um, it is Darren DeVries, and um, I would definitely put Porter Mosier on there. Probably Craig Smith from Utah State. I feel like I could poke holes in anybody. Um, Absolutely. But we just kind of start throwing them out here at this point, and let's talk through it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. If, if this happened um, last year at this time, I don't think there's any question. I think it's TJ. Yeah. And I don't think you – I mean, I think at that point it's it's basically thought of as a no-brainer. However, however, because TJ had a down year this year for UNLV, it, it brings up some obvious questions of, you know, and, and right rightfully so. There's reasons for it. I know you followed the UNLV program. It's no mystery that you yeah. have a good relationship with TJ. I'll talk about that here soon. Um, but still, even after that, I still think he has to be the the leader in the clubhouse. I really do, and I have I can I can give you some reasons. I think we'll touch on on TJ here uh, at length here in just a moment. I I also agree. I think Devries is a natural. Just what he's done at Drake, a remarkable job as a program builder. And really, what he's done there is he took a, a a team with scholarship issues. I mean, Nico did not leave him with a whole lot, 
and he rebuilt it really fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's impressive. And I think it's even more important when you look at what's on the horizon for college basketball. This all plays into it. And we've been talking about that on our Sunday night yep. podcast for a month now. Yep. I think Craig Smith, from a pure X's and O's, the stuff he runs, his just basketball acumen as a coach is maybe as good as you can get right now. I think he's brilliant. I think he's fantastic. The question for Craig Smith is, what is his ability to get guys in the Big 12? And that's an unknown. But I think the his actions, his offense, uh, they're one of the best defensive efficiency teams but he also inherited a really good situation at Utah State. And so, again, you know, these are the pluses and the minuses you have. To, and, and really no history outside of a couple of years on Tim Miles' staff in the Power Five. But I think, I think Craig Smith is a future really good coach somewhere. Uh, but can he get the guys? Can he get the guys is the question. And then Fred is an obvious elephant in the room. A lot of dollars there, right? His buyout with, with Nebraska is $10 million. $10 million. Dollars, but, yeah. you know, what's the better job? In Fred's mind... Nebraska or Iowa State. I would argue Iowa State is still the better job. And if Fred, you know, would have his choice, I would think, I would still think you can win cl- sooner at Iowa State. Now, again, big buy out there. I don't think Fred's an obvious candidate this time around, but I think you have to put him on the list. And then I'll also, I mean, this list is getting very long. Uh, well, I think, I we, think you, we have I, all night. I so. think you've got to look at, I think you have to throw on some of those proven winners. Mosier. And then Mark Turgeon, who's kind of in a weird spot with Maryland. They've made a lot of tournaments, but there's not a lot of happiness there. Midwest guy has been rumored for the Iowa State job in previous coaching searches. Same with Dana Altman. Dana's had a lot of success at Oregon, but a Midwest guy in the twilight-ish of his career. However, if he wants to come back to the Midwest, you know, kind of a Lon Kruger situation, potentially that's something there. I think those, and then John Beeline, you'll hear tossed around. I don't think that's a legitimate one, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you, you can get in some of the assistant coaches that's, it's, you can, you can kind of talk your way through it, but I think, I think that it's got to start with, uh, with, with TJ, with Darren DeVries and then Craig Smith and, and Mosier. And, and those would be the four. Yeah. Those are the ones that came to me. I, uh, Nico's name will get tossed out. I don't think, I don't think that can happen by the way he left Drake with, um, Pollard's relationship with Drake athletic director, Brian Harden. Um, let's, let's, let's get more in depth on these. First of all, just full disclosure, this sucks. Um, TJ is one of my best friends. So I'm just going to be honest with, it wasn't always that way when he moved out to Washington. Um, we had a lot of stuff going on, uh, at the same time in our lives. Uh, we became very close and this is uncomfortable for me. Uh, but I also just want to be honest with everybody and I don't want to hide that fact. Yep. I'll be as objective as I possibly can be uh, when it comes to discussing TJ Otzberger. With that, <laughs> I feel like I do know a lot about the UNLV program because I think I've watched every game since he's been the Rebels head coach. What I don't want to do is make this entire program about Otzberger. I yep. want to run through all of them, but I think I can answer a lot of the questions about that UNLV team, and we'll get to that. Um, what sucks is because of my relationship, this is always one of my favorite things to do. I don't like it when people get fired, but I love coaching searches. Yeah. And I love yeah. hashing it Dang out. It and yeah. so, I, so I really want to do that. I really want to do that here uh, for for as long as we well, go. Well, I think you're, the whole prom conversation also, you know, a colleague, um, someone who you knew very well. Yes. And yet you still did your job. Yes. I mean, you were fair. 
And so I, think I like to think I was. So all, thank you. All you can do with with TJ as well, and I think people respect you for and, that. And but I no, can point yeah. holes into why he. Well, there would be people who would question that too, and I will. Yep. So, I, but again, I think if you look at it right now, look at all the you saw Goodman already reference TJ. You've seen he is going to be the name mentioned most often. Is it the right choice? Let's so we can talk about it. For what it's worth, too, this isn't all on the media. Jamie Pollard is taking pictures. You know, oh, he's a mentor TJ's for TJ. game. Yeah, like yeah. So th- this is this goes back. People have to realize TJ. Um, T, first, John Rothstein is citing sources that Otzelberger is expected to be the primary candidate. I don't know what that means. Um, people have to realize. I'm sorry. That's this stuff drives you nuts. Yeah, right? like I'm. I'm he so, doesn't know. No, I'm so done with the. Oh, I, I kind of had a short fuse on our premium board. Um last night because I just like I'm so tired of the misinformation and we launched this thing because we're trying to limit that whatever people have to realize TJ came to Iowa six Iowa State when he was 26 years old um Jamie Pollard had just gotten to Iowa State you know and they've kind of grown up in the business together and you're right Jamie has always been a mentor to him that's more than just uh, so like when Jamie posts pictures on Twitter of him at a South Dakota State game years ago, people remember that, mm-hmm. right? So like this isn't just like a media creation that he'll be a front runner for this job. Do you want to start here and I can tell you why I think he would do a great job? Or do you, yeah. do you want to? How do you want to let's, do this? Let's start first of explain because I think the first thing that comes off the page, and it absolutely should, is TJ has been a head coach for two years at UNLV. If you look at his cumulative record, I believe it's 500 or worse. Yeah. Why is that? Well, okay, so a couple of things here. Um, I believe TJ, um, I believe that when he took that UNLV job, I don't believe I know, that was a destination type of thing for him at the time. I'm not saying it isn't now. I'm he, just saying when he... He took it the he took, same... The same offseason that Prohm signed a long extension with Iowa State. Correct. So you can do the math there however you want to do yeah. it. Um, my point being, I don't believe for a second that this was ever a quick fix for TJ. He was wanting to build UNLV for the long term. Sure. It's the reason a lot of guys didn't come back after last year um, for one reason or another. Uh, it was a culture thing for him wanting to build that UNLV program from the ground up to be a winner in the long term. Um, so that that really is why. If you look at their analytics this year, they're horrible. And that, I, there, I there's a reason. I would agree. Um, TJ knew that he couldn't win playing the style of ball that he wanted to play this year. If you watched Vegas, it was ugly. They were junking it up. But it was on purpose. They were trying to be that junkyard dog team that get into a one or two possession game. Correct. And then they were it. trying to play Iowa football, like keep yeah. limit the possession. You know what I mean? That that's that, that's an ugly brand to watch. Yes, it was. It was not a fun. It that was not is, an enjoyable team to watch this year. That is not his style. Um, he's more of a I think Fred Hoiberg style. Like that's the type of that's what he ran at South Dakota. Stylistic basket. Yeah, because he had Mike Dom, who was a you know. That stretch four. Yeah, the Niang type. That, that we've seen so much at Iowa State. So really, you know, that's the reason. Uh, he was really good um, during his time at South Dakota State. 
a lot of people will say, well, yeah, Dom. Well, yeah. Um, and I could say that about, um, you know, a lot of guys who are going to be on our list. Like, you have to win with good players. You have to have good players. And then maximizing your good players to be great players. And I don't believe that that is ever more true than when you look at the uh, future of Iowa State basketball uh, with the name, image, and likeness, with the um, transfer Transfer. rules changing like they are. I believe whoever this hire is from Jamie Pollard, recruiting has to be absolutely number one. Get players. Uh, the one thing I would also say about TJ, um, he's very smart. Like it, the the thing about him, Brent, is he's won here, he's lost here, uh, he knows where all the skeletons are buried. So there's nobody um, more prepared to walk into the Iowa State job than him. Uh, he's recruited many of the greatest players in the history of Iowa State basketball, who I know would vouch for him to be the next head coach here. Again, that doesn't mean it happens, but um, so there you go. That is, I can keep going if you want, but again, no, I, I don't want this to be a PR thing for him. No, it's good. And, and so, so here's the deal. I have, I have read all too many message boards in the last four days, five days. God bless and, you. And the common theme you hear, and I think this is a discussion. So, yeah, people, bring it on. People, Let's have people it. People will say, well, Steve Prohm recruited well too. Mm hmm. And look at us now. And in one possession game, or we did, we had the stat. In games to set up by five points or less, in the last two years, Iowa State was 0-14. Can TJ win at this level when you're going against Hall of Fame coaches night in and night out? It's, I mean, Jamie Dixon is the ninth best coach in this league, and he was an all-timer at Pittsburgh, right? Like, does TJ have the pedigree to do this, can he match which with Bill Self, Bob Huggins, and and I think, I think that's where I send people go. You know what? I get it. Guy can get players, but does he have the acumen on the bench to do this? Or what's the plan going forward? Because Prome, Prome got players. I mean, highly rated players. Now, I will say the last two classes, none of them stayed really, and that was a problem. But what? So so give me the uh, give me the rebuttal there. So, um, again without. Speaking out of turn here, because I have no idea what it would be like. First of all, I don't even know. TJ and I have not talked about this for many reasons. Yes. Neither one of us wanted to put ourselves in the position. That's totally. So we've been talking about his team and our families. That's. Yep. You know, we often text after his games. um, And that's we have a group text where there's mutual friends of ours. We don't talk about this. But I do know when he interviewed for the job last time who. He had lined up for a staff should he have gotten the job, and it was very impressive. I don't want to say it now because chances are that's different now. Different mm-hmm. at this point. I do know Iowa State fans, and I do know he would have really liked the staff at that time. I can tell you this about him. is Brent, that he he's a man who knows his own weaknesses. And what's interesting, too, about a lot of people don't get this, is that first year uh, that Prome was the head coach. First of all, I give Steve and TJ a ton of credit. There's not many instances where a guy would hire a guy who also interviewed for the job to yeah. be his associate head coach. No doubt. Like Steve Prom did. And there's not many guys like TJ who after getting, you know, picked over. Yeah. Would go back 
to do that. He he mainly did that at the time because one, he just really loves Iowa State. This is home for him, and two, because um, he loved those guys. Yeah, a lot of the guys who were on that team, you know, Niangs and Naz and Monte, all those guys, Matt Thomas. Um, so he he was the one doing game plans. Like he was the main scout for that team. This is not a deal where he's not like just the 30-year-old recruiter yeah. like he was, was under Greg McDermott. McDermott. Yep. He's greatly evolved since that time. Does that answer your question? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think... Um, I I, you know, I get to a lot of fans are just... They want something new. You know? Like, sure. you're, you're like, hey, let's... Uh, let's go outside the family a little bit here, right? I mean, that's... so. I understand that. That's what I would say did with Campbell, and it worked. So I think people want to recreate the Campbell hire. Um, and I understand that. Good luck. That's uh, a lot harder to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but let's go. Let's go through some of these other names, and I'll and I'm going to give my opinion here. All right. Let's just go name by name, and we can each just fire yeah. away. Perfect. Well, so let's start with, uh, right down the road. Craig Darren, Smith. Let's you want to, we, Craig let's start Smith. with Craig Smith because I think he's an interesting comparison to TJ. TJ was at South Dakota State. Same time Craig Smith was at South Dakota. Now TJ really was kind of Craig's daddy when in the summit in, in the summit. Correct. Um, and so I, Craig is interesting to me. I agree with you. Brilliant offensive mind. I think he's great. Yeah. The stuff that they run out there is fantastic. Um, the question I would have much like the in game coaching that you bring up about TJ, my question about Craig, he's only spent two years at a high major program. Yep. That was under 10 miles at Nebraska. Would he be able to bring, the caliber of player needed to win in the Big 12 to Iowa State. That would be the whole. Yep, no no doubt. And so you and you look at what they've done at Utah State. If you look at his roster, it is... Three NCAA mainly, tournaments in three years. Yep, fantastic. Uh, but if you look at his roster, it is international prospects. And I think four or five, okay, keep in mind you're in Utah, are the Church of Latter-day Saints. His best player is the big man, Queda who was recruited under a previous staff. Now, he has done a brilliant job of building around him, and they've got some nice pieces. But can you recruit internationally at Iowa State in the short term? I think that's a that's a big-time question. Um, and if you look at what he did at South Dakota, it was a lot of upper Midwest-type players. I don't know if that's good enough to win at Iowa State immediately in the short term. I think Craig Smith and time would figure it out. My concern would be you're you're in a year where it is potentially the most transformational offseason college basketball has seen coming up. Mm-hmm. Because you've got not only these players that can stay an extra year, which is a which is a factor. There's been some players even on Iowa State, even Jalen Coleman Lance has said, you know, I'm not ruled out completely that I wouldn't come back. You've got the potential wave of the one-time transfer rule where guys can go freely like a free agency with no penalty. Plus you have the name, image, and likeness issue to go along with this robust transfer market already. Point is, you can turn over your roster really quickly. Really quickly. And if it's going to take you two to three years to build in your culture and what is, who am I getting here? Who are my contacts here in Ames? What am I recruiting to? You, you could be missing out on a potential really quick rebuild. Um, so that would be my concern, and that's my concern with both Craig Smith, Thad Mata, John Beeline, um, 
and then Turgeon and Altman to a lesser extent. They still have those relationships because they're in the game right now. Mm-hmm. But where TJ has a significant advantage is he gets to Ames day one. It's it's going. It's, you know, it's it's go time. Like you can you can immediately pick up the pieces and just run with it, which I think will be a critical off season. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then but DeVries, in a way, I mean, knows the landscape well from Des Moines, knows Iowa, recruited at Creighton, recruited at a high level at Creighton for I, a long time, for a long long time under so Greg it, McDermott and Dan Altman. Yep, and he so he would be. I think he's one of those like TJ that could pick it up a lot quicker. Than a Craig Smith or one of those those older coaches think, that have been out of the game. What about DeVries? Let, let's let's keep digging in on I that. I think he's great. I think he um I think I, I a, love him. He's one I could get excited he's about. He's a future power five head coach. I think the stuff he runs is really good. I was impressed. I I, I did the game on TV his first year between Iowa State and um, Drake. Drake had to pretty much change over its entire roster. That was a good Iowa State team, you know, Shayok, et cetera. Um and he didn't. He didn't have a lot of time to rebuild it. And they were competitive year one, right from the start. I think the stuff he runs is really good. He did an awesome job of finding ways to exploit recruiting. So what he did, and it's smart, he hired a JUCO coach in Florida that brought with him three guys. Uh, so I think. I mean, point is, Devries can play the game a little bit, right? Like, it, it, not that Steve Prohm didn't play the game, but there's a game that can be played to get players quickly. I'm not saying they were cheating. That's not my point here. It's that there are loopholes to be able like to find. Like hiring Kate Cunningham's Yeah, brother. exactly. And and there's just way, things you that you can do to, to make it quicker. I think I think DeVries would be a, an outstanding hire as well. And um, I think he'll be successful somewhere. The do question you think, is. Do you that, think he would go? I don't know. That's what you hear about him is, is he's, he's really building something special. And he is. Look what he's done at Drake. It's incredible. I mean, um, this is a Valley guy. Um, comes from you and I, where he played. And he's got his son recruited to play next year. And remember, Creighton was in the Valley when he first took that job. Um, you can't deny the money. Like, you go to Iowa State and you're automatically making five, six times the amount of money. Also, great friends with Greg McDermott. Um, and so, potentially, Greg... I mean, Greg has it. Not that Greg has a poor history with Iowa State, but I think there could be some signs of caution of, "Hey, man, it's not like an automatic here transitioning." Yeah, I, I think. I, I I think that um, I think that's a situation that um, is really interesting with a lot of these mid major guys. Yep. Completely. Like, if you're gonna hire a mid major guy, we can always go back to well, look at the McDermott situation. Look at the Prom situation. Yep. I mean, yeah, I didn't end up letting Prom go. Um. Yeah, I think, uh, but DeVries will win. So DeVries is forty-eight. TJ's forty-three. Craig's or DeVries is forty-five. Excuse me. TJ's forty-three. Craig Smith is forty-eight. I think all of them will be successful at the Power Five level in time. I do too. Uh, I think you. I don't think any of those would be a poor move, in my opinion. I where I have issue with is when you start. We start going down the road of like a Thad Mata or a John Beeline, who are just, in my opinion, I think they're they're very smart guys. I think they would get there in time, but I just, I don't think they're the right fit for Iowa State. Stansbury has a big list up on CycloneFanatic.com right now. I'm just going to go through it, okay? Uh, let's let's kick the tires on Hoiberg. Yeah, I I just there's a lot of reasons. I just don't see this as a realistic possibility. The ten million dollar buyout. 
number one. I think it's also fair to ask the question, too. I mean, he really hasn't won since he left Iowa State, and if you're Jamie Pollard, you, you can what he did be replicated in 2021? I don't know. I mean, I, I think the fan base would – Absolutely, this would be a home run. I just, I just don't know how realistic it yeah. is because of the money. I don't think you discount, and I don't know if Fred would want to come back. Right. I don't even know that. The most successful era in Iowa State basketball was Fred's era, and so I think you at least you have to mention it. But for a multitude of reasons, I don't think it's, I don't think you get the gang back together. I just don't. I think Fred, Fred's got a great recruiting class coming in, and if Iowa State, you know. Again, it's not all about dollars here. You saw what Indiana just did to buy out Archie Miller. But if, if you're giving me apples to apples and it's going to cost me $10 million, I'm not sure that's the invest in, best investment at this time. Um, continuing to go through here, uh, Porter Mosier, again, is a guy who both of us put on there. Now, just full, I've been hearing him and DePaul for a long time. DePaul, yeah, made, a, DePaul made a change today. Uh, Stansberry writes, potentially the best mid-major coach in the country, not named Mark Few. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a question about that. The, now, the issue with Mosier is he has been a head coach at a couple different stops. And um, previously, out, outside of Loyola, he failed at Illinois State and failed-ish ish at Arkansas Little Rock. He's never really been a head coach at the Power 5 level. And he's not a young guy by any means. I think Mosier is, again, schematically really good. The stuff he runs is excellent, hard, hard-nosed, defensive-minded coach. I just not positive, based on what he's recruited to in the past, he could get that high-level caliber player that, when push comes to shove, you can win night in and night out in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Knowing what we know, he made the final four. I, I, though, and he, beat, I don't, he beat some really good teams yeah, along the way. I don't like, know how anybody could be upset with that if that was who Iowa State gets as no, his next strong. Head coach. I mean, he's a strong personality, a really solid X's and O's guy. I think he'd be he'd be a really solid hire. Um, I would say his ceiling isn't as high potentially because I think in order to win a Big Twelve championship, you need those again upper echelon players. Can we? I don't want to say rule them out. But the Beeline and Mata thing, like a lot of fans are... I think you can. I just, for what you would have to pay to get either one of those, right? Like I just, I don't think Iowa State's going to go and spend $4 million a year on a coach. No. No, I and they're, they're and not. I, I would also say too, look at every hire Jamie Pollard's ever made. He's never gone after a guy in the twilight of his career. Right, I mean the cross-country guy. That's different. But yeah, as far as the main... That's different. The main... Yeah, no, I, I think um, I think you can rule out Beeline, Mata, um, and then I think Turgeon, Altman I've seen God, thrown that's around. Good Cody Road. Altman or, is on the list here. I think those two are would be more likely just because they're still in the game right now. Yeah. But I would put them a tier or two behind. Altman is interesting. You guys saw the podcast I did with Jamie and Oregon's athletic director who are literally best friends. Yes. They were like former roommates and stuff like that. So that would be an interesting hire. Yes. With that. I'm not saying it's not possible. He won he won the Pac twelve this year. Tied for first. Yeah. Like what, in the NCAA what is, tournament. What is the motive? you gotta ask me. He's sixty two years old. What's the real motivation to go from you are probably the class program in the Pac twelve right now. You're getting compensated fairly well. If you you're Nike, just, 
if you're just coming back because you're from the Midwest, like I, I mean, I think that that's an we got we got to do a little bit of logic here. A guy I don't think was probably going to get talked about enough is Bryce Drew at Grand Canyon. Interesting, he, yeah. So I don't think a lot of Iowa State he he interviewed last time, and I think he was pretty damn close to getting and taking the job. Um, and it didn't happen for one reason or another. I've heard rumors. Um, he's now at Grand Canyon. He was at Vanderbilt for three years. Knows the Big 12 because of his big brother, Scott, who's at Baylor. Um, coaching Grand Canyon against Iowa, ironically, in his first NCAA tournament in program history, which program hasn't been around very Too often. Long. Right. Now, Bryce again, got players at Vanderbilt. Why... What's different now? Would he want this job now? And I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know if whatever happened would have turned Iowa State off. But he was in play the last time, as was Brad Underwood, who's yep. obviously not going to be a factor this time. Yep. Um, Mouton, the guy Moten from North Carolina Central, perhaps that's one. I just don't think that yeah, that's I'd, a huge jump. That's from low major to high major. Same with Dennis Gates at Cleveland State who has done a meteoric rise, was assistant at Florida State. I still think that's a big jump. So you go from you go from the, the Horizon League is where Cleveland State is, I believe, to the Big 12. That's that's big. I mean, that is basically the Horizon is arguably below the Ohio Valley where Steve came from. Now, Gates has recruited great, turned that program around, uh, has history with Leonard Hamilton, I think is an up-and-comer for sure. I don't see it as a fit with Iowa State. Um, an interesting one here that Fran Fraschilla threw out. This I, was on, I like this. This yeah. was on Jared's list too. Jerome Tang, a longtime Baylor assistant with Scott Drew. Often gets the credit for what they've built there. So Scott's obviously the head coach. Tang's been with him pretty much every step of the way. He's the lead recruiter. Plus, has now been given the keys to a lot of the in-game X's and O stuff. I think he's a, you know, somebody smart will grab him. I think he'd win. He knows the Big 12. I think Tang, in my mind, should be in that list of top four or five, honestly. Okay. Yeah, it, we, we probably should move him up. I think um, so. I mean, yeah. I don't know if he's interested. Again, I don't know all of uh, Jerome's background. Guy from the has been at Baylor for 16, 17 years. Knows Texas, the upper Midwest, different than Texas. But we've talked about it before. It's not really a regional sport as far as recruiting. But you have to know what you're recruiting to. And recruiting names is different. It's not like, you know, what Baylor can do. And Baylor can really stay within a four-hour four radius of Waco because you can get Dallas and you can get Houston and you can dip into Louisiana a little bit from there. Iowa State's a little bit different. I mean, Iowa State, you have to recruit to via relationships and just having, basically exploiting an inefficiency somewhere. You know, what, what, what TJ did... He had some relationships. That's how he got Craig Brackens because Brackens played with pumps. him what, at the at the Palms at the AAU, mm-hmm. and then had the relationship with the prep guy. Um, well, it really Jason started Smith, to be right? honest. Yeah, um, at, Brewster, at Brewster, which got then, Melvin Edger. Right. So I mean, and he, then you also had uh, even the Mike Taylor before that yep. from Chipola, and they started dipping into those things. Again, you look at these head coaches. It's not like hey, go to go to go to Chicago and go to Detroit. You can just recruit there, and you'll get some guys. It's it's those relationships that exist with those high school coaches, those AU programs already, which allows you to build those connections a lot faster. If you're if you're transporting someone from you know, insert program here and say, okay, go go recruit Flint now. Not that easy. Yeah. Like you have to have those longer lasting relationships. Now, 
all these guys, I think, could figure it out in time. I think it's a, I think it's a really strong pool of candidates. But how do you win quickly? How do you get players quickly? And I think that's how you turn it around. Um, and and that's why. And I think we can learn a little bit from the prom era here. Staff is so important. It is, and you have I think to. That was his downfall. Yeah, I mean, it, it got to the point where D-Rob was really the guy who was bringing in players, um, which he did a pretty nice job if you look at a lot of those guys are in the NBA right now, Xavier Foster, um, et cetera. Um, but that really is a thing that you keep an eye on. Now, r- regardless of who the hire is, we need to do a really good job, and we will, of covering that you think for our fan base. Continuity as well. I mean, Iowa State, it's no mystery, has a top 50 player committed. Tyrese Hunter, who is a very, very nice player. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to come in and just be transform Iowa State basketball. I don't think he's at that level. But he's a guy you'd like to keep and would be a big win for somebody. So does that mean that ever whoever the new coach is, do you keep somebody on staff that's already in Ames? Um, it's potential. It's a potential thing you could do or, you know, an ops person or, you know, you can go down the line. So... He's, We've seen a lot of that. Campbell did that. Yep. Campbell was smart. He kept Mitch Moore. Yep. Um, you know, I think Derek Hoodger was on the road staff. A lot of those recruiting type guys. But what I'm saying is, just because the pro era has has come to an end, if if something like that happens, I would caution fans: it can be good. But what did Campbell do in that first off season? I mean, think about it. That transformed his entire tenure. Is he got the Bailey brothers? He got David Montgomery. Yeah. He got um, Deshante Jones. He got all these guys in that three-week period. So point is, this is this is maybe the most important month-and-a-half stretch Iowa State has had since it hired Fred. I mean, this is, this is critical. Like, you can build it long-term. I just, man, I want, I keep coming back to it. I, I want a guy that can go in, get the players that can compete in the Big 12, and then obviously you gotta you gotta go against Hall of Famers coaching wise, but uh, I think if you want to, I also think you quickly, just yeah. you've got to be able to pave your way and be unique. Definitely, you, you know, like th- this is a deal where I, well, you've got all these older established guys. I I don't think that means that Iowa State has to find a Lon Kruger or, I mean, Chris Beard wasn't that. He was not. You know, Chris Beard was this guy from Arkansas Little Rock and goes and becomes a rock star. Yeah. So, certainly possible to to do that. Like th- this is a this is complex. My gut feeling covering Jamie for a long time, he probably didn't pull the trigger tonight without a plan. Sure. I, I know he didn't. Yeah. Um, what is that plan? We will we will soon find out. This is my gut. On how I see this timeline going out, we've been saying this to our premium subscribers for a while now. If if this is going to go quickly, it will be an Otzelberger. It will be a somebody who Jamie has one of these previous relationships with. Maybe yep. maybe even like throw Hoiberg in. Like yep. that that would be a scenario where it would be or somebody out of coaching that he would have. <sighs> yeah, like um, Bo Ryan or like yeah. you know want it. Bo Ryan's not going to be the next head coach, but you get my point. Yeah. Somebody who Jamie has a previous relationship with. If they decide, okay, we're going to open this up to a search committee, or I don't think they'll do a search committee, or um, I want to do four or five interviews, 
you may be looking at a while because a lot of those guys are probably in the NCAA tournament. You're Craig Smith's, you're, right? Yep. A lot of those DeVries. guys are in the NCAA tournament. Yep. DeVries, uh, Porter Mosier, yep. you know, even um, um, the Baylor guy. Like, yep. you know, sure. you're not going to go and start. So that's going to take a while. Yep. I think timing will tell you a lot. Uh, it's also notable. Minnesota came up in today. Archie yes. Miller. I would have said Archie Miller, but I think he's probably going to get New Mexico. It's already kind of looking like that well, right Well, it now. was... Uh... I thought they were looking at Miles and Richard Patino. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Patino, not. No, I think Miller. I'm sorry. Again, Miller's got, a name. I, I got my uh, Big Ten no, guys who sure. got fired mixed up. Miller's a name. I think you got at least mentioned here. Okay, guy who won at a high level at Dayton. That would be a good hire. Recruited well. That would be a good hire. Yeah, has relationships. Didn't win enough for Indiana's liking. Did not make an NCAA tournament in the four years there, but a, 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 somebody who's. Young and dynamic enough to succeed in this upcoming era. Um, last but certainly not least, I, I just think that it's important to uh, to some extent that I think fans just trust Jamie Pollard here. Um, I think he's done a pretty good job as Iowa State's athletic director. Um, you know, this is an important hire for him, though. I mean, they, it's great to have football where it is. Uh, Iowa State needs to not be getting last place in the Big 12, though, in, yeah. in basketball, and I think fans have made that very clear. This is a, an important... I think you said it well. This is an important month, month and a half. Well, I think it's different. This is different than the prom hire, because if you look at what... Uh, it, why the prom did, hire was sexy. You had a top 10 team. Yeah, and, and and the reasoning behind the prom hire was, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's for somebody who could just kind of keep it rolling, not be... I mean, I'm guessing, if you look at that crop of coaches... I mean, Steve Prohm was appealing at the time. I said it myself because he ran an up-tempo system at Murray State. They were in the top 25 in offensive efficiency. He was a very player-friendly coach, um, a guy that was going to come in, not rock the boat, and try and just get those guys to keep it going. And he did. I mean, that team made a sweet 16. Yeah. Hard to forget. Um, and, and, all, good players. and I remember, too, the the um, Steve Leith quotes. I mean, yeah. they're they wanted a guy who could come right in and not see a big drop yeah, off. Yeah, that's ex- so that's it was really a kind of a continuation of Fred where I think this is completely different. This is a somebody who needs to be able to come in and just transform Iowa State basketball. Cuz if you go 0 and 18, a lot needs to be fixed. And so you can't just, you know, find somebody that has been successful elsewhere um, but hasn't rebuilt or hasn't been in the process of rebuilding a program. Uh, you're going to need to get players. You can't just scheme up with the guys you have. And so that's where I come back to. Again, it's getting old. But uh, finding players first and foremost and then working. I think Mike Boynton's a great example uh, a good of, point. of what the blueprint should be. That That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it doesn't have to be, well, look at all these Hall of Fame coaches. You don't have to be like, oh, we have to get Altman. Or yep. look at what Oklahoma State's done right and, now. And look at Tech. That yeah. There's a lot of examples out there where – I mean, Scott Drew wasn't Scott Drew when he got hired at Baylor. You know, there are it, it be Iowa State. Yeah, I like it. Be yep. Iowa State here, and wherever that leads you, let it lead you. But you don't have to try and mimic what Oklahoma's done. I keep using Kruger as an example, but you know what I mean. Uh, like, yeah, but Kruger and Huggins and Self are are not. You can't just they don't just grow on trees here. They've been developed over time, and I agree with you. I mean, I think. You just got to start with who do you think could succeed in Ames? Ames is a different place. Go around the Big Twelve. It was called Focus Town for a reason. It's 
I, I know people have been able to recruit to Ames, but it's uh it's a little bit unique in that regard. And so you're right. I just think whoever can can embrace the Iowa State way, as Bill Fenley likes to say, and don't apologize for being at Iowa State, as Matt Campbell likes to say. Yeah, and just go out and do it. Uh, so one last thing too, and we've again we I keep talking about the premium board, but there's been a ton of conversation on this. I, I, I don't believe for a second that this thing's been like a done deal. No. Like, that. I, I promise you guys, Prome and his staff did not know what was going on as of this weekend. So, however it played out today, there was the cross-country meet, there was the women's selection show. This has not been some deal, like, where he already has a replacement waiting. In the, there's nothing like that. Like, it's starting right now. We are going to hear from Jamie Pollard on Tuesday. Of course, we'll have complete coverage of that coming up. But um, I, I just I've seen so many inaccurate theories yeah. out there the last couple of weeks. This was never like we had we had one of the biggest threads in Cyclone Fanatic history. Like that was like, is anybody else hearing that Pollard told Promi's coming? Like not, no, like Nobody none did. of that is yeah. has happened. Uh, this is really we thought this is where and how this would play out. We we thought that all along. You just can't go oh and nineteen right and finish ninth or tenth in three or four years. Yep. Um, That's the thing. I don't think it's just this year. It was a culmination of actually. Things. I think it's more to do with the culmination than it is just this year. Yes, yes. But exciting times. I mean, it, again, this doesn't happen a lot. It's been six years since I obviously had somebody new in charge of the program, and I truly believe that although it's an uphill challenge, uh, this can be turned around very quickly. And uh, better times are ahead for Iowa State basketball. Bloom, thanks for your help. I'm excited. Let's see the, yeah, we'll yeah. keep an eye on it. And we'll we'll obviously be around to uh, as news happens. I do agree. I, I don't see this lasting till April 1. All right, it's March 15th. There you go. Bloom's on the record. That's right. All right, he's Brent Bloom. I'm Chris Williams. Um, we'll have more coverage for you. Thanks for listening. Rate, subscribe, review, share, all of that good stuff. Appreciate you all. Take care.